Right on. And um, so this morning, what, what we're going to do is, is look just at the first six verses of Zechariah. Just lay a bit of groundwork for where we're going to be going as a church over the next little while and where the Spirit of God was, is spoke in past times through this and where I believe he wants to say some things to us as a church through this and so excited about it this morning and always love starting new series. And so, hey, um, let's, uh, let's just pray as we come to God's word this morning. Uh, Lord, we just thank you for the opportunity that we have today. Lord, what a, what a precious time this is to gather your people um, to worship you in song, Lord, to fellowship and know that you're here with us. And also, Lord, to uh, be able to spend time uh, in your word, Lord. And uh, we just ask, God, that, that your spirit would anoint and bless this time, Lord, that you, would sp- that you would speak to us, God. I pray, I just sense, Lord, that this is the word that you have for our church at this point in time. And so, Lord, we just, we just ask you to touch us, to change us, Lord, to, to work upon our hearts, and that you would, uh, yeah, just pour into this time this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, so let's just start with reading these first six verses of Zechariah. It says this, verse one. In the eighth month, in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, the son of Idu, saying, the Lord was very angry with your fathers. Therefore say to them, thus declares the Lord of hosts, Return to me, says the Lord of hosts, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. Do not be like your fathers to whom the former prophets cried out. Thus says the Lord of hosts, return from your evil ways and your evil deeds. But they did not hear or pay attention to me, declares the Lord. Your fathers, where are they? And the prophets, do they live forever? But my words and my statutes, which I commanded my servants, the prophets, did they not overtake your, for, your fathers? So they repented and said, as the Lord of hosts purposed to deal with us and our ways and our deeds, so he has dealt with us. Uh, Zechariah is um, one of three prophets that we call post-exilic prophets. What that means is this, is they were, he is one of three prophets who showed up on the scene after the people of Israel had come back to the land uh, after being in exile for 70 years in the land of Babylon. The year is 520 BC, about in and around there. The Jews have spent, like I just mentioned, 70 years in captivity in, in Babylon. Uh, The man who is their political leader is a man we're going to see as we make our way through this book is a man by the name of Zerubbabel. Their spiritual leader was uh, the high priest uh, Joshua. And these two men, Zerubbabel and Joshua, had led 42,000 Jews back to the land of Israel. Amongst them are names, maybe not instantly that came in the first, but, but Nehemiah and Ezra and Zechariah. Zechariah and Haggai. And so they had come back to Jerusalem. And when the exiles first returned, they they set out. The scripture tells us all about this. Ezra, Nehemiah, Haggai. How they set out to, first of all, rebuild the temple. Reestablish the house of God. The place of worship. The center of their 
worship as, as a nation. And they started out really well. They, they laid down the foundations for the temple. The Bible tells us about the joy that was in their midst as they saw the foundation uh, completed, but also that there was, that there was weeping from the, from the older leaders who had seen um, the former temple. And so they get the work done. They get the, the, the groundwork done. The foundation is laid. But then after that first year, the people just gave up on the work. They were intimidated by their enemies. There was opposition. The work was hard. Uh, they were living in the midst of a city that was in ruins. You have to think that a lot of these families were returning to their family inheritance that the Lord had given their forefathers. And maybe they thought they were coming back to, to vineyards and all of these different things. But what they came back to was rubble. A city that was charred. A stones that were blackened. The, the, the city was a disaster. There weren't, there weren't homes to live in. There was really a, a, essentially nothing. And so as they get started in this work of building the house of the Lord, as they lay the foundations, they just began to turn away from the work of God and build their own houses. Build places for themselves to dwell in. Try and reestablish the city. And so the Lord sent two prophets essentially at the same time. Haggai. So I encourage you just over the next number of weeks to be in the book of Haggai in your reading, be in, in, in this letter of Zechariah in your reading. And, and so the Lord sends Haggai and Zechariah and their ministries kind of parallel one another. They overlap one another a little bit. Haggai came first. He was an elderly man. And he came, he came on the scene and, and if you know his, his message, he, he showed up and he said, what do you mean in saying it's not time to build God's house? What do you mean in saying it's, time, it's not time to do the work of the Lord? You know, you're building your house and the house of God is in ruins. Let's get back to work, people. God's calling us to get back to work. And so that was the, the message of Haggai, essentially. And then just a couple months after Haggai shows up on, on the scene, Ze Zechariah appears with a word from the Lord and he began to to call the people of God as we're going to see, to see the vastness of God, to see the vastness of God's program, to see the vastness of God's character. It's interesting that they had actually paused. It's not like, oh yeah, they, you know, they built, laid the foundations for the house of the Lord and then began to build their own houses and you know, just a couple months had gone by or something. Nearly 15 years had gone by where the house of God was just left, just a foundation. And so, you know, Zechariah appears on the scene and, and, and he begins to call the people to see the vastness of, of God's work. And, and that was really the problem for these people in the midst of this city that was lying in ruins and all the opposition spiritually and uh, from their enemies that they were facing is that they, they failed to see the immensity of God's God's work, I would say this, they were nearsighted. Unable to see things clearly unless it was like relatively close, you know. Uh, I grew up wearing glasses, you know, nearsighted, you know, take them off and I can't ever see anything. And, and the people were looking at what was near, they were looking at what was right in front of their faces. They saw charred stones, they saw enemies, they saw trouble, they they saw all of these challenges in front of them and Zechariah 
invited them to look beyond to the things of God. To not look at narrow circumstances. To not look with nearsightedness. He, he called them to the wider realities of, of God's divine purpose. Of God's divine government. Of God's activity in the world. And God's sovereignty over everything that's happening. And that's why Zechariah Zechariah is called the, the prophet of hope. For all intensive purposes, I would say this, that the people of Israel, the residents of Jerusalem, they were, they were a people who had lost hope. Lost a sense of hope. They'd come back to that city. They had returned to their, their homeland with, with great expectations and desires about this great work that they were going to do for God. They were going to, for God, rebuild the temple. In theory, it's not like they expected things to be easy, but they hoped life would be better. There was, there was plenty of Jews that stayed back in Babylon because they just made a life there. They, they'd, you know, established themselves after 70 years and they didn't want to leave what they had in Babylon. But these people knew coming back, it wouldn't be easy. That, that, that life wouldn't, you know, be cookies and cream, but that there would be challenges, but they would go and they would do the work of God. But, you know, as you... Look into what happened. What can you say except that their expectations, their hopes quickly dissolved in just a year. And now it was, the, it was, it was day to day, I would say, for them. The great vision of hope for restoration of their nation and their temple had lost all of its life and all of its momentum and all of its hope just like he kind of like let the air out of the balloon. And so there was a need for them to hope again. There was uh, a need for them to hope again. But before they could even do that, Zechariah says this. Before you can even hope again, you have to return to the Lord. You have to make a spiritual return to the Lord. Yes, you, you've made a physical return to this land, but you need to make a spiritual return to your God. And the word of the, the prophet was the need for them to to do that, that's where he started. And so as we kick into the Syrian and Zechariah, uh, I, I would say this, you know, what, what's the value of this book? What are the things that he declares? Well, first of all, it's, he, he, he gives the people of Israel a revelation of the extensive power of God, the far-reaching power of God. He gives them a revelation of the persistent purposes of God, that God has a plan that God is at work in this world. And the, the people in their loss of vision and hope, the people of God were failing to comprehend those very things. They were failing to comprehend the extent of God's power. They were failing to comprehend and understand the existence of the eternal purposes of God. And we do those same things. You know, that's why I just, as I've been studying for this, I'm like, man, this is awesome little book. We do those same things. We fail to comprehend the extent of God's power. We look around the world, we go, oh, what's going on? Ah, what's happening? I want to stick my head in there. What's going on in government? What's going on with wars? What's going on over here? What's going on over there? It's interesting that this is a very apocalyptic book as we're going to see. Ah, is God in control? Is he? And Zechariah is going to call them to comprehend the extent of God's power. 
You know, we, we say, is God in control? You know, sometimes we, we, we fail to understand the continuing existence of his purposes, that he is unfolding his sovereign salvation plan throughout all the generations and years and decades and millennia of this world, telling his story for his glory and for his name. Ah, is there hope, God? You kidding me? It's in my hand, as we're going to see from Zechariah. What's the value of Zechariah? Well, the result of this revelation is these people begin to, to see is that, that, that their attitudes and the activity of the people of God are impacted. You know, when you know that God is in control, that he's sovereign, when you know in your heart of hearts that he has purposes and plans that he's unfolding, you know, it, it f- affects the thinking of your mind. It affects the activity of your life. You do crazy things like get on a bike and ride 250 kilometers, you know, to try and raise money for the kingdom of God. You, you do crazy things for the kingdom because you believe in the eternal purposes of God. And so Zechariah, he begins, he begins to call the people to consider the vastness of the program of God, the greatness. He says, you, you got to have vision. You got to understand, uh, you, you have to have that state of being able to see what is unseen with faith. The prophet of hope. Ho- hope is a feeling of expectation, a desire for something to happen, for a certain thing to unfold. You know, in Hebrew, when you translate the word hope, do you know what its first initial meaning is? Is cord or rope. Hope is literally a rope. It's something that you, that you hang on to. I sounded a little devotional this week, and I, I'd, I'd gone out recently. I was up at IGA, and I, I, I ran into Michelle's husband, Russell. He's like, what are you doing, man? I'm like, oh, nothing. He's like, you want to go out on my boat and pull up the prawn traps? I'm like, yeah, man, I'm in. Let's do it. So we just went right, right down and got in his little tin can, and we made our way out in front of Barnabas. And right as we got there, it just, whoa, the sky opened. And we were shivering. And the wind's blowing and the waves are picking up. And we're like in a 12-foot tin can. And we may or may not have been wearing life jackets. But they may, they, I, yeah. And, um, and so... You know, it's picking up, and Russell starts to pull the traps, and he says, just don't move. Just sit there, okay, because, you know, it's a little boat, and we're rocking, and so we, we, he begins to pull up the prawn traps. And, and, you know, what was this motivator? It was, what's at the other end of the line, man? I was like, I was like giddy. I'm like cold and wet, and it's blowing, but we had hope, and it was literally at the end of a rope. <laughs> And, and that's what hope is. Ho- hope is a rope. It's a cord. And, and the key for the, the people of God to, to move from failure and uh, to comp- comprehend the purposes of God, uh, uh, to move from failure to understand and r- move towards vision and to move towards hope was this. They had to return to the Lord. See, the problem was not that they had left hope. They had left the Lord. And if you're hoping to have the Lord restore your vision and, and your hope, 
Your return has to be to him. John the the Baptist proclaimed that very thing. He said, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You know, a message of repentance and return to the Lord is always at the heart of true prophetic, true apostolic, true biblical preaching. Return to the Lord. Return to the Lord. In the days of Jesus... You know, it was the proud Pharisees and the, and the scribes, just like their fathers before them, who, who thought, I don't need to repent. I don't need to return to the Lord. Don't tell me to return to the Lord. Don't you know who I am? Don't you know? I am I, I, a Pharisee. Don't you know who, that, that I'm a son of Abraham? You know, we, we hear this message, return to the Lord. Don't tell me to return to the Lord. What are you talking about? I've been serving Jesus for 25 years. Man, I'm like committed. Don't tell me to return to the Lord. Don't, don't, don't tell me that. And I'll tell you this, that's the heart of a Pharisee. We have Abraham as our father. Don't tell me to return. Don't you know? Don't tell me about sin. I'm the temple of the living God. And the Pharisees said this to Jesus. They said, away with him. He's no friend of our nation. And sometimes the, the mistake that we make in our own pride is to think that it's just the unbeliever who needs to make repentance and return to the Lord. But it wasn't, you know, it wasn't those not chosen that Zechariah was calling to return. But it was the elect of God, the children of Israel. Return to the Lord. And the mistake that we could make this morning is to think that a call to return to the Lord is not for us. Well, what do you mean return to the Lord? I'm sitting here. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm here to worship. That's, that's not for me. But the reality is this, is that there is always a need for every single one of us to return to the Lord every day. Every moment in that sense. You know, there's always... There's often failure on my part to comprehend the extent of God's power and his working. You know, so often there is a failure on my part to comprehend the continuing existence of God's divine purpose throughout history, in this world, in my life. Divine purpose. And vision for you and I can wane like the setting sun, man, every day. And hope doesn't spring eternal, but it fades in our lives. Vision fades. And and we forget that in his great mercy, Peter said this, that God has called us to hope. That we've been born again into a living hope. That hope as followers of Jesus Christ is our, our identity. That gets just the core of who we are. We hope in something. We put our hope in Jesus Christ and in his his name. Hope is a a transforming characteristic of being born again. When you're born again, you are born into hope, a living hope. And so if hope is diminished in any sense, then if my hope is diminished in any sense, if your hope or vision has diminished in any sense, then I have to make a return to Christ. I have to go back to the source because hope is the identity of those who are born again. And so before we can ever catch a vision of hope, we, we have to make a turning in our life, a, a return 
to the Lord. And so that's where Zechariah begins as he begins to preach and proclaim to the the nation of Israel. It says this again in verse 1, in the eighth month, in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, the son of Idu, saying, the Lord was very angry with your fathers. We know that. God was angry with the nation of Israel. He called them time and a time and time again to make a return to him. Return to him? Let's say that to us. We have Abraham as our father, you know. We know all the history of what they did to the prophets and those who proclaim such things. And Zechariah says, you have to remember, God was angry with your fathers. This whole captivity thing that we've just gone through as a nation for 70 years and everything Babylon's done, it's because God was angry. And now we've come back. Now God's called us to build a, a house for him. And we have to remember that he was angry and he did these things and let this be a motivating factor in our life. It's interesting that the name Zechariah means this, Jehovah remembers. The name of his father, Berechiah, means Jehovah blesses. Jehovah remembers, the son of Jehovah blesses. The, the grandfather's name, Idu, means this, at the appointed time. Jehovah remembers and Jehovah blesses at the appointed time. That's what that family name is. Isn't that awesome? God remembers and he blesses at the appointed time. That, that's, that's essentially the, the, the foundation, the stage for everything that Zechariah is going to say. He's saying this, God was angry, but he remembers now, and this is the appointed time of his blessing. You've got to hold on to hope. You've got to have vision. God remembers you, and he remembers the promises that he made to you. You know, I would say to, to, to you, God remembers. He'll bless at the appointed time. Don't give up. Don't let go of vision. Don't let go of, of hope. Hope is your identity. Hope is your identity as those who have been born again in Christ Jesus. And so verse 3 says, Zechariah says this, Therefore, the Lord tells him, Therefore say to them, Thus declares the Lord of hosts, Return to me, says the Lord of hosts, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. It's interesting that the Lord gives his name there three times. The Lord of hosts is like, really, who's speaking here? Oh, the Lord of hosts is speaking. Just in case you weren't sure about that. It's an interesting title, the Lord of hosts. Three times there. It's interesting that if you like, just you know, go to some Bible research tool and you type in that that name, Lord of Hosts, to look at where you'll find it in the Bible. Uh, you won't find it in Genesis. You won't find that title for the Lord in Exodus or Leviticus or Numbers or Deuteronomy. You won't find it in the Pentateuch, any of the writings of Moses. You won't find that title for the Lord in the book of Joshua you won't find that title for the Lord in the book of Judges, but in the book of 1 Samuel, all of the sudden, 
it leaps onto the page of scripture. And it's very evident. In fact, the Lord of hosts was the favorite title of the prophets for the Lord. The Lord of hosts. Nobody more than Zechariah. Zechariah in 14 chapters is going to call the Lord, the Lord of hosts, 53 times. And yet Moses didn't call the Lord, the Lord of hosts once. Why is that? It's interesting. Well, in, in, in Samuel, something changed amongst the people of God. That's this, that, that as a nation, they transitioned in their form of government with Samuel. They moved from being a theocracy under, under Moses and Genesis and all the patriarchs and the father where they were a nation ruled under God where God spoke through the priests. And then in 1 Samuel, what did they become? A monarchy. They, they set in place a king for the first time like the nations, of the, world, the nations around them. And they set Saul as the the first king of Israel, and that is when the Lord is first called the Lord of hosts. It's a title of God that is born with the monarchy. And I think it says this. You think you have a king on the throne? Let me remind you who I am. I'm the Lord of hosts. Put your little human king there, but you remember who is king sovereign over the universe. And it's me. I'm the Lord of hosts. What does that name suggest? Well, host, host in Hebrews, in Hebrew, it says a number of things. It, it means over the angels, over the spiritual beings, over the, the heavenly bodies, the sun and the moon and the stars and essentially all of creation. It means Lord of hosts, that you're, he's Lord over the armies of the earth, not just the armies of Israel, but over the armies of the, of the earth. Ultimately, that, that name means that Jehovah is the sovereign Lord and master of the universe. King. Capital K. Put your little king on the throne, but you remember who is the Lord of hosts. And Zechariah saw, saw the Lord as, as sovereign. He saw God as the sovereign Lord of hosts over all the activities of the world. And you know, I think sometimes, you know, we, we, we believe that, we proclaim that, we maybe say it in an abstract and kind of theor, theoretical reality. Yeah, God's king of the universe. He's the Lord of hosts. We proclaim it on like this cerebral Level, but then at a heart spiritual level, it's like, oh, I'm just so down and I'm so discouraged and I have no vision and, and, I, and I have no hope. And the reality is, is that, that, that the Lord of hosts, that truth hasn't gripped my heart. It's a reality that's not there, but not Zechariah. To him, the Lord of hosts was an active reality in the world a living God who was sovereign over everything, everything in his hands. When we call the Lord sovereign, we're saying that he has supreme authority and power. And the people of, of Israel in Zechariah's day, I mean, you think about it. They'd lost their army. Many of them lost their 
family inheritances or when they had come back to it, it was all destroyed. It was all ruined. They had lost their power. They had lost their influence. They had lost their nation. They had lost their temple. Uh, their, their holy city was Jerusalem. It's a shadow of what it once was. The rebuilding of their temple, their place of worship was an unfinished, unfulfilled reality. Just, you know, in a sense, it's a pipe dream. And maybe you can relate to that. You think, man, God, what the heck? I just had hope, man. I had vision. I thought, God, it was going to go down like this. I thought we were going to get there and we were going to do this and do that. And I thought, you know, I just thought it would look like this. And hope begins to wane. Vision begins to go down with the, with the setting of the sun. And it's for this reason that that Zechariah, I believe, constantly spoke of the Lord as the Lord of hosts. He's reminding them of the enduring reality and the persistent sovereignty of God, that his sovereignty is something that, that's functional. It works and it's happening and it's, it's playing out. His supreme power and authority, no matter what I see in my nearsightedness, these people as a nation, they'd, they'd found themselves in, the, in this place really because of the disobedience of previous generations. But in all this, there was a purpose. There was, there was a plan and Zechariah tells us, Jehovah remembers and Jehovah blesses at the appointed time. And I think in so many ways, I, I mean, I don't know, do we, he, he's saying now, now's, the time, he's going to tell them. Now is the time and he's going to tell them certain things about their day, but then he's going to tell them much about the future as we're going to see. Much, much about the future that applies to, to our, our time. And he's reminding them they, they need to return to hope and they return to hope by returning to the Lord. Don't make the same mistakes as your fathers. Look at verse three. Thus says Therefore, say to them, declares the Lord of hosts. The first part of Zechariah's declaration tells us that God speaks. He makes his will known. He speaks. He's spoken his will to his people. You know that that's a reality that has never changed in all of the history of our God. He speaks his will to his people. The living God has spoken through his word. This is a perpetual reality. A living word we call it. We see Jesus' reality. Colossians tells us that. And so we're not to be nearsighted. We, we must know that God speaks. He speaks. He makes his will known. And Zechariah insists upon this fact. And he insists upon the fact that God continues in this method. That God speaks. What, really, how does God speak? He speaks through his word. He speaks through his son. He speaks through nature and creation. He speaks through other believers. Maybe he spoke to you this morning by his spirit through the worship, the music. He speaks through circumstances. He speaks 
by his spirit, the Holy Spirit, speaks to us in the place of, of prayer. I mean, you think about it, has God spoken to you through the word of God? So, some of the most defining moments of my life have happened just in my quiet time reading the Bible and something came off the page. And it's like, wow. His word speaks. Does he speak to us through his son? Of course he does. We read about Jesus. We see who he is and it's like, it resonates with our hearts. Does he speak to us through creation? Look, if, if God doesn't speak to you through a day like today, right? You say, wow, God, the glory of your majesty and all that, I see your handiwork. I'm drawn to you as I look at this creation. He speaks to us through other believers. You know, I, re- I remember when Lisa and I began to just contemplate, it seemed like circumstance that we were gonna plan to move to the Sunshine Coast. You know, and I, I told someone, yeah, I think, you know, it was someone that I, I, I loved and respected. I said, yeah, I think we're going to make a move to the Sunshine Coast, maybe in a year. <laughs> and he said to me, a year? Why don't you go in six months? And it was so weird. I'm like, wow, that was weird. That really, like, that hit me. And then... You know, uh, a week or two later, my, my brother-in-law was visiting, and he's a, uh, older than me, and I, I love him. He's a man of God, and I began to tell him what was doing in Lisa Mine's heart, and I said, yeah, I think, I think we're going to go maybe in about a year. And he said, really? Why don't you go in six months? <laughs> and I thought, whoa, whoa, God has something that he's calling us to do. This is weird, and I think we, we, we put a place up for sale, and it was like, I, I couldn't mark it to the day, but I, I, I really believe that like, we probably came to the Sunshine Coast within about six months to the day of when that happened because it was God's plan. I thought it was mine, and it was God's. He speak to you through music? Of course he does. I, I love you know just the worship, worship music here together, but too, in your times alone, you know, when you... Got music playing in the house and you just, it's about the Lord and you begin, man, God's speaking to me. I sense his presence as I worship him. Does he speak to us through our circumstances? Of course he does. By his spirit? Does he speak to us by his spirit? You know, I was thinking about this. We were, just a few weeks ago, we had our, our conference with us in Calvary Chapel and on Saturday night we were out in Seashell at their church and we were just spending time waiting in the presence of God and looking to the Lord and asking him to speak. And I was at the back of the room and I just, I'm like, I just sensed something. I sensed that there was like somebody so angry in the room that they were like in a rage and that it was everything that they could do to contain that rage. And, and so I just felt like God was prompting me to share that. There's somebody here, you know? Spirit of God wants you to know that if you'll surrender that to him tonight, he will take it. Nothing really happened. I, I left that night and then Pastor Michael called me. He said, man, I just want to tell you and encourage you. That man came to me. He was so angry he had left. And then the Spirit of God, even after what was shared, the Spirit of God called him back. And I prayed for him and God set him free that night. It all had to do with all this history in his life. 
Does the Spirit of God speak? He speaks. God speaks. Does he speak to us through prayer? Of course he does. I mean, I got the mic so I get to share the testimonies, but I know that he's <laughs> spoken to you through prayer. But I, I remember one time in particular, Brian Colkman and I, we were here, we were praying. There was something really heavy on our hearts and we were seeking God. We were pacing at the back of the room and we were crying out to the Lord that God, you gotta meet us. And all of a sudden, as we were praying, I just knew it is done. This is finished. We can just stop. We can just worship. And, it w- and the phone literally rang. And it was like, wow, God just totally spoke. We were so encouraged and so excited. God speaks. And Zechariah says this. The Lord declares. He declares. He speaks, and here's what he is speaking to us. Return to me. Return to me. Return to me, says the Lord of hosts. See, the Lord calls his people back, and here's the beautiful thing about the Lord when he calls us back to him. He provides the way for the return. It's him who makes the way for the return. Not only does he call his people back to him, but he provides the way for us to return to him. And Lord, we're going to see Zechariah. I'm going to call next week. I'm, I'm excited about the message. I'm calling it Visions of Hope. And Zechariah is going to share with the people of Israel, and he's, and he's going to say to them, Behold, the Lord says, I will send my servant the branch. The branch, Jesus is that branch. The, the servant who had come to do the Father's will, the servant who gave his life as a ransom for many, who gave his life on a cross, he died and he was buried and he rose again and he ascended into heaven so that through faith we might be saved in his name. We return to the Lord because the Lord's made a way for us to return. His name is Jesus because of the Lord Jesus. But then Zechariah continues and he says this, return to the Lord, says the Lord of hosts, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. James said it this way, draw near to the Lord and he will draw near to you. A.W. Tozer, a neat quote, he said this, that nearness is likeness. He says, return to me and I will return to you. Nearness is likeness. To be near to God, his likeness begins to come upon our lives. And, and as I think about vision and hope, vision, vision and hope will never be a reality unless you're near to God. And if vision and hope in your life have waned and you feel like you've become nearsighted, I would just ask this, what does that logically tell you? I mean, logically, what does that tell you? Someone moved. But God never changes. God, God's not shifting sand. He, he, he never moves. If vision and hope have waned, it's because you moved, not because God moved. And that's why this message, return to the Lord, it's like it's just always applicable for the people of God. Return to me, says the Lord. I'll return to you. And the remnant of God's people had not, they had not put him first. He, he couldn't bless 
them as he desired to do. And the Lord says, I I remember. I want to bless. This is the appointed time for me to bless. This is the appointed time. It's time to build. It's time to be about the work of the Lord. Return to me and I will return to you. And the Lord promises that as, as they return to him and he makes his return to them, that he is the one who will make the way for that to happen, but, but also this, that he will be the one who accomplishes the work. He's going to say through Zechariah, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. See, the power that is necessary for the restoration of hope, the power that is necessary for the restoration of vision is provided by the coming of God to his people through the Holy Spirit. I was kind of shocked. And just in my priest days, I, I just, this is a book about the Holy Spirit in a sense, Zechariah. The Lord says, you return to me and I'll do the work by the power of the Spirit. I love that. By the power of the Spirit, return to the Lord. And so Zechariah declares the, to the people, essentially the, the Lord reveals his will. He speaks The Lord calls his people back to himself. He provides the way for them to come. It's through his son, Jesus. And he promises that if you will return to him, he will return to you and he will do so in the power and the might of the Holy Spirit. Don't you want to be filled with the power and the might of the Holy Spirit? Return to the Lord. Return to the Lord. He says this in verse four, do not be like your father's. To whom the former prophets cried out, thus says the Lord of hosts, return from your evil ways and from your evil deeds, but they did not hear or pay attention, declares the Lord. Your fathers, where are they? And the prophets, do they live forever? Two two questions Zechariah throws to them as he he says these things. Your, Your fathers, where are they? The prophets, do they live forever? An honest answer from the people and they would have Admitted, well, many of our fathers are dead. Many of our fathers were slain by the Babylonians. Many of our fathers are still back in Babylon and a place where they've been held captive. The prophets, where are they? Well, they're dead because our ancestors killed them. And the point was that the death of The prophets was this, a loss of opportunity for the people of God. The death of the prophets was a loss of opportunity for the people of God. God gave plenty of opportunities to generations past to return to him. It was always the message that the prophets had proclaimed to the people of God. But they had wasted the opportunities. They said, I don't need to return. I have Abraham as my father. I've been going to church for, I would return to the Lord. What are you talking about? And really, as you, as you consider this, this is a, this is a, a simple, simple message that Zechariah is, is giving. Their, their forefathers not only knew that they were doing wrong, but they were told they were doing wrong. And they had no excuse, no excuse whatsoever. And, and Zechariah's message is don't make the same mistake. Don't be like your forefathers. They didn't respond to the word of the Lord through the, the, through the prophets. You know, Haggai's speaking to us as a nation. He's telling us now is the time to build. 
If we don't do what he says, we'll be in the same trouble as our forefathers. In verse six, it says this, but my words and my statutes, just the first half of it, but my words and my statutes, which I have commanded my servants, the prophets, did they not overtake your fathers? I mean, that's pretty clear. It's got some force and some weight to it. The prophet might die, but the divine word remains the same. The divine word remains the same. The, the word of God is an everlasting force. The word returned to me, that never dies. That's why the, the Lord would say, when, when you want to know if a prophet, if a messenger is from God or not from God, those who speak, speak good things and speak blessing, if it doesn't come to unfold, they're not from me. But the one who calls you to return to me, he's from me. Because here's the reality. God can say, return to me, and you can do it, or you cannot do it, and feel the consequences. Either way, his word is fulfilled. Return to me. Dot, dot, dot. And the word of God is an everlasting force. It, it can never die and it always catches up and overtakes those who do not turn to the Lord. And think about the long suffering of God. Once his long suffering runs out, man, his, his, his words will track down offenders and will judge them. And so by calling people to return, through, through Zechariah, the, the Lord of hosts was preparing this people for the messages that he's about to proclaim to them, visions of hope. And here's the beautiful thing that I just love as we read Zechariah. Look at the second half of verse six. It says this. So they repented. So they repented as the Lord of hosts purposed and said, as the Lord of hosts purposed to deal with us for our ways and his deeds so he has dealt with us they said god you're just you're just in your act our, we as a nation got what we deserved and now we turn to you we repent we make the return to you we turn from ourselves and we we turn to you and you know i just think about this and i think well you know, it's just true that unless our hearts are right with God, we can't hear his word with too, true comprehension. You know, the scripture tells us that today, if you, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Don't harden your heart. You know, I would encourage you, anytime you hear a message of repentance or return, take time. Don't be a Pharisee. Take time. To say, Lord, I'm turning to you with my heart. I have to respond to your word. Your word says return. Obviously, I need to hear it. Whether I think I need to hear it or not, Lord, restore my vision. Lord, restore my hope. God, forgive me. Give me a heart after you. I'm coming to you through your provision, Jesus, and I'm asking that you'll return to me in the power and might of your Holy Spirit. God's call is always for his people to repent. You know, I think it's one thing to ask God to bless us. It's another thing to be a people that God can bless. And so as we 
just consider this. What, what, what are some of the key thoughts that come out, the practical stuff that, com- that comes out of this text? Look at our God is the Lord of hosts. He is sovereign over the activities of this world. And our God, the Lord of hosts, is a God who speaks. He's always speaking to us. Making his will known to his people. And the Lord of hosts is a God who calls people to himself. And he makes a provision for that to happen. It's in his son Jesus. He doesn't say you have to do this or you have to do that. He just says you come to me through my son Jesus. Done deal. Return to me. And then the Lord promises that as we come to him through his provision, he'll return to us in the power and in the might of the Holy Spirit. You know, I want to say to you just this morning, men and women of God, children of God, hope is waning, vision is waning, look up. Look up and make a return to your God. Amen?